In Search of a Decaf Soy Latte, Thoughts by Zoe Saunders, from Standart, Issue 6. A few years ago, I discovered two important things about myself. One, I love the taste of a good latte. And two, my body simply cannot handle caffeine. A cup of espresso would keep me up all night. Even decaf is dangerous too late in the day. Oh, the horrible irony of these joint revelations. To make matters worse, I'm a vegan, and I have been for eight years. And so, as a vegan with a pitifully low caffeine tolerance and a seemingly incompatible penchant for good espresso, I am forever in search of a satisfying decaf soy latte. There are problems with that. Non-dairy milk does not steam as nicely as traditional moo juice and has an unappetizing tendency to separate out from the coffee into gross little curdles. So it takes high-quality soy and an experienced barista to pull off the drink successfully. Moreover, a good decaf is hard to find, and sometimes it feels like the best roasteries treat their decafs like afterthoughts. Although some roasters are finally starting to pay more attention to their decafs and develop better techniques to preserve the bean's complex flavors, the old stigma still lingers. I've had more than enough haughty baristas look down their noses at my request for what they consider fake coffee. While traveling, I've sought out cafes that might cater to all my particular needs and desires, but the dream has proved elusive. One place actually had three types of non-dairy milk, but no decaf. Even worse, some territories are downright inhospitable to the caffeine-intolerant vegan. Last spring in Lisbon, I became enamored of the city's many patio cafes, where there is plenty of old-world charm, but nary a cup of decaf or soy to be found. After enjoying a Pellegrino in this picturesque setting, I snuck shamefacedly around the corner to get my latte at Starbucks, the behemoth of mediocre coffee, but reliable purveyor of soy milk and decaf. I guess that is a perk of globalization and standardized menus. Since I'm not a desperate caffeine addict, I can afford to be pickier and search for what I really want, a cafe that meets my expectations in both its drinks and ambiance. When I lived in Oxford, my favorite coffee shop felt like a home away from home, At Brew, I could always find a good decaf soy latte, and also a chat and a smile. They served a smooth and deep-bodied decaf, untainted by any burnt or acrid flavors. Their milk perfectly steamed, and only slightly sweet. The owners made an effort to make every customer feel like a regular, and the cozy little space with limited seating facilitated friendly conversations between strangers. That's become my gold standard. Is it possible to find again? After my recent relocation to New York, I have been searching for a cafe to call home in my new neighborhood. I figured it shouldn't be too hard. After all, this is a land of plentiful hip cafes catering to obscure dietary restrictions. In South Brooklyn, my go-to neighborhood spot is a small cafe called Elk. I can always count on finding a pretty good decaf soy here, as well as a cluster of my stressed out grad student friends who've taken up term time residency at its tables. The coffee at Elk is reliably good, but the quality of milk varies by barista. On this day, my cup did not disappoint. Thick and satisfying microfoam, no separation or curdling to speak of, and a slight sweetness owing to the vanilla soy milk they use. I enjoyed my drink sitting at the front counter, looking out the windows onto Prospect Park and finishing up some embarrassingly belated Christmas cards. My idyllic reverie was disturbed only by squawking infants who scurried about underfoot. Elk's comfortable back garden, where I would love to sip my drink on warmer days, has become a de facto playground and pram parking area, so I usually steer clear. 
One weekend, when Elk was too crowded with prams, I convinced the aforementioned grad student friends to accompany me on a trek across the motorway to Lark, a cheery and charming little cafe with floor-to-ceiling windows through which the sun was beaming to an appealing soundtrack of R&B classics. The barista messed up my order and gave me real coffee, so I was all abuzz like a hummingbird into the wee hours of the night. I manically tidied my flat, even taking down the Venetian blinds to scrub them thoroughly in the bathtub, and then found myself at 1 a.m. googling caffeine antidote, which led me to chugging two liters of water and popping a reckless amount of vitamin C tablets. Two hours later, I was finally able to unwind a bit, thanks to half a bottle of wine and some old episodes of Star Trek. Notwithstanding that alarming incident, Lark still made a good enough impression. I'll be back, not least due to my having been compensated a free drink for next time. The barista, despite accidentally poisoning me, was perfectly likable and had a quirky technique of swirling around the espresso and milk for a moment, before pouring, which he explained was to help with texturing. The result was delicious, but I am yet to confirm if the decaf version is just as good. When an old university friend was visiting, we stopped in another little neighborhood cafe, Brunswick. We spent a few hours catching up and reminiscing on the comfort of their heated tent while sipping some pretty serviceable lattes. My friend is an incorrigible flirt, so we ended up learning more about the pretty young barista than I would have if I'd gone by my socially awkward lonesome. It was Angela's first day on the job, but she seemed to feel fully at home from the masterful latte she whipped up. The milk was beautifully textured, which can be a challenge with soy, but skillfully handled here. Beginner's luck? I'll have to stop back later to confirm. My coffee campaign was temporarily derailed by a freak blizzard that covered New York in a record amount of snow. Better to sit at home with a warm cup of herbal tea and leave the lattes for sunnier days. When things had finally cleared up and a path had been plowed, I ventured out to try a highly recommended cafe, Steeplechase, over by the public library where I stopped en route to pick up a new novel. After that snowy trek, I ended up disappointed by my drink. The coffee, Brooklyn Roasting Company's Peruvian decaf, was bitter and tasted burnt, and the foam was really more like froth, with an amateur attempt at latte art that unfortunately looked more phallic than floral. The highlight of my visit was the high-spirited barista who sang along to Beyonce's Halo. Everywhere I'm looking now, I'm surrounded by your embrace. I must have walked past the fox and the crepes a dozen times thinking, a crepe joint is no place for a vegan, but was finally lured in one day by a sign advertising vegan scones. Not only did they have a variety of scrumptious vegan baked goods, but there were decaf soy lattes on the menu. The coffee, Intelligentsia Decaf Librarian's Blend, had a mellow and full taste. The soy milk separated a little from the coffee, always a threat, particularly when cafes use standard issue silk soy milk instead of investing in a special barista series, but it wasn't particularly noticeable. Overall, it was a passable, but not particularly impressive latte. The shop is absolutely covered in decorative foxes, figurines, framed photos, stuffed animals, chalk drawings, etc., creating a weird and slightly disconcerting vibe. It evoked something from an Ikea catalog, like a whimsically decorated but eerily empty child's room that has clearly never been lived in. I couldn't help but wonder, what was the thinking behind this decor? I imagine an office of brand consultants strategizing the optimal degree of quirkiness to maximize profits without alienating a mainstream clientele. After a little Googling, I figured out that the cafe had contracted an outside firm, Mimo y Mima, to consult on their branding. The firm's website describes their approach thusly. We created an identity that has a warm storybook feel to it without feeling too kiddy. It turns out to have been a small local consulting company. So my image of a boardroom full of suits might have been a bit unfair, 
but nonetheless, I would say they've fallen short of the mark here. This calculated aesthetic seemed at odds with the unforgivable music, Blink-182's All the Small Things, which triggered anxious memories of awkward middle school dances and prompted me to beat a hasty retreat. The following weekend, I went to meet a friend who was reading in another cafe. The Brooklyn Roasting Company is down by the Dumbo waterfront, housed in a big old brick warehouse that has been converted into an industrial chic roastery and cafe. Upon entering, I felt gently submersed in the space's very chill vibe, with Toro and Moi playing in the background and dozens of hip young people plugging away on their MacBooks. Tempted by the exotic, I strayed from the straight and narrow to indulge in a maple shea, a latte sweetened with maple syrup, too enticing to pass up. When I asked the barista for his thoughts on this unfamiliar drink, he replied in a cartoonish voice, and then explained that he was practicing for his other job as a puppeteer for children's parties. I told him about the puppetry class I took in college, and we had a nice chat about the tricks of the trade and industry gossip. Remembering my negative reaction to the Brooklyn Roasting Company decaf served at Steeplechase, I braced myself for yet another disappointment, but I was surprisingly delighted by my maple shea. This was a different roast, their Ethiopian decaf, not the same offending Peruvian from before. And I loved it. The drink was sweet, but not cloying. Delicious, with well-textured milk, thanks to the skillful handling on Pacific Barista Series soy milk. It tasted sort of like yams and caramel, but it was hard to taste the coffee clearly through the distinctive maple flavor. Beyond the different roast, I suspect the stark contrast in my reactions to this drink and the earlier one at Steeplechase may be due largely to the age of the beans. When it comes to decaffeinated coffee, I've learned that the freshness of the beans is probably the most significant factor in flavor, as with all beans, decaf or not. But the relative unpopularity of decaf espresso condemns the beans to sit neglected on the shelves for weeks before being reordered. Here at the roastery, they're serving only the freshest roasted beans, and I could taste the difference. Satisfied and feeling at home at last, I took a seat on one of the cafe's comfortable sofas to have a think over my recent survey of South Brooklyn's coffee scene. At the end of my quest, what do I have to show for it? Am I eight lattes wiser than when I started? Well, for one thing, I have learned that establishments using silk soy milk should be avoided, whereas specialty barista series soy milks like Pacific and Kirkland produce notably superior steamed milk. I also discovered that almost every specialty coffee shop I've sampled in New York uses beans decaffeinated by non-solvent-based water processes, which seem to preserve a better flavor than the MC method decaf that I tried and found disappointing. Upon reflection, it now seems evident that the coffee itself is but one of many factors taken into consideration by this extra picky critic. Not only do I require decaffeinated coffee and non-dairy milk, but also certain standards must be met for music, aesthetics, and general atmosphere. It's important to note that nowhere will feel like home the first time you visit. Spaces can only facilitate community building, not provide it fresh out of the box. That is, individuals must bear some of the burden in helping create that sense of community. And so if I want to find a coffee shop that feels like home, I need to invest the time into building relationships with the staff and regular clientele. The rose-colored glasses of nostalgia make it easy to forget what went into making brew such a special place for me. True, a good cafe can establish an atmosphere that lends itself to that community building, e.g. through seat arrangement, shared table space, charismatic baristas, music and lighting, or by hosting public events. But it's all for naught unless the customers contribute. Perhaps New Yorkers are less amenable to this than are the good people of Oxford, but I'm not willing to accept the stereotype of surly New Yorkers without first giving them a shot. 
Through my survey, I've identified which coffee shops provide the drinks best to my liking and the atmospheres most conducive to the community feel I desire. And now it's up to me to invest the time and money. Hey, New York's not cheap. To make them feel like home.